Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. My name is Tim Little, and I have a very deep voice today because I am recovering from a cold. So, Tim, that, are, wow. Wow. How are you guys doing? I'm, I, I, I feel ashamed of having such a high voice next to you. This is, man, you are in the cellar today, buddy. I am. What can I do about it? I, I, I tried to, I thought about maybe I should try to make up my, my real voice, but it just wasn't working. <laughs> you should quit smoking. <laughs> oh my word. This is wise advice. You know, we shot some fireworks off just the other day. <laughs> there was a lot of smoke. Oh, hold yes. on. Guys, we I, like a couple episodes ago, like last week, I asked you, what's your favorite firework? Did you guys shoot off fireworks last week? I like Tim, the you mortars. Did. Oh, did you get the big ones? They're uh, five inch mortars. They were pretty big. It was fun. Okay. My dad bought them. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we went to a fireworks tent on the way to my parents' house. We didn't stay all day we, and we came home and did it, but I've never bought like a big pile of fireworks because it wasn't legal. So I got some, like a one big Roman candle thing and some spinners. I didn't spend, I spent like 25 bucks, but man, some of those mortars, like one mortar was 25 bucks. And I'm sure the bigger ones were even more. It was like so, a pack of them. Nope. So it wasn't too bad. But, ooh, it was a lot of fun. Charlie fireworks. Nope. Just, I, I think we had enough of it just independently around, uh, around Ankeny. I didn't really need to do much. There's, there's plenty of explosions. You know, I know some people who just go and camp out on the roof of their house in Ankeny and they get quite a show just doing that. Yep. There was, there was plenty of stuff getting shot off uh, around my apartment complex, even though there are signs clearly posted that say no fireworks. There were lots of fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a meet or no, I saw a video clip four years or 2020 Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, tried to ban fireworks. Do you see that clip? And it was like yeah. all the people in LA just blowing off the fireworks. Yeah, it did work. <laughs> Our neighborhood was quite loud too, Charlie. Um, the kids were in bed, but I just walked the streets and got videos, and it was it was it was pretty intense. It was awesome, but pretty intense. You're you're up on a, a higher floor though, so you probably have a better Mm-hmm. better vantage point that'd be pretty can you see the summerfest fireworks from your side of the building or are you on the, like the other side no nope, yeah i i can because i'm facing that that direction so wow that'd mm-hmm. be really nice mm-hmm. so how are you guys doing charlie what's been going on so i think the last episode so this is we actually timed this kind of well which is impressive because we don't really think about it that much but the last episode Last week, we talked about how uh, I was going to be going on a camping trip, and it's now been uh, a couple of weeks since I've been back. But uh, so I spent I spent uh, a full week on a backpacking trip, and uh, we we spent one night in Nebraska, uh, which was you know what you would expect of Nebraska, and then. I re-listened we went, to that episode recently. We were pretty, <laughs> we were pretty harsh to Nebraska. Sorry, Nebraska. We do love the people there. <laughs> you guys are horrendous. Two weeks from today, I will be 
in Nebraska again at a, at a camp. So looking forward to that at Whispering Cedars. But um, yeah, and then did I anybody, spent. Did anybody get eaten by a mountain lion? <laughs> well, it's funny <laughs> you should say that. <clears throat> so we did have a couple of encounters. And um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not. We didn't tell anyone about it. But the first night we were in Wyoming, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night. And, you know, it's, it's something when, when someone is used to the outdoors and hunts, there's like a different sense of like the sounds that are happening. And uh, I could hear something walking through our camp and uh, I could hear it breathing. And I'm fairly confident that it was oh, a wow. bear just roaming through at like two in the morning. Nice. And, oh, uh, and so I, I, just... I <laughs> I don't want to go camping and uh, backpacking now. It's okay. Well, you know, it is what it is. Like they're, they're there because they smell food. And as long as you don't have food in your tent, you're going to be fine. Um, that, that's, you know, not, that's, you know, a huge generalization, but so I heard this thing kind of breathing and, you know, you can imagine what, you know, a two, 300 pound bear breathes like, but I can hear this. And I can like hear Tim when he's, like Tim when he's sick. Yeah. Tim early in the morning, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Those are horrendous. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That was a good one. But so once, once I had kind of heard it progress through our camp, I, I woke up Sawyer, we kind of did a little bit of a sweep and we were all good. Um, but that was, that was just, that was like actually at a campground in Wyoming. Um, that next day, is when we the guys went and we backpacked in. I think it was a about a two mile or so hike, um, and uh, we were back in the middle of nowhere for like three or four days, and uh, we had a handful of more interactions with with wildlife, and so uh, we we caught a bunch of fish the first morning we were there, and we you know, roasted them over the fire and, uh, attracted a bear <laughs> and, oh, wow. um, we were, but we had already kind of disbanded our little cooking area and there's just me and a couple of guys, uh, Garrett and Mason. And we were walking up the hill to our, our tents and I caught something out of the corner of my eye and I was like, Oh, Hey guys, hold up. And, uh, they, they reacted how you would expect teenagers to react which is not listening to what i had just told them to do <laughs> and and so they like run towards this unidentified object and it was also a black bear and uh you know i started i started yelling you know like you're supposed to like you don't want to startle the bear you want to like let it hear you and know that you're there and so i just started saying hey bear hey bear and all the other guys are like Oh, hey, a bear. And like, that's not the tone that that's supposed to have. It's supposed to be like, don't come running and looking for this thing. Uh -huh. And this will, this will come to my, my shout out to one of our favorite Thinklings listeners, Seth Bennett, uh, who's a Thinklings listener. I think a, a handful of those guys, uh, uh, and in that youth group that I was with, I think a handful of people listen or have listened to our podcast, but I think Seth is the, the top, top dog there as far as thinklings listener. And, uh, so 
there's a thing when you're backpacking, you you're giving up certain amenities mm-hmm. while you're camping. And so there are no toilets. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so Seth is back in the woods. Uh, the term the term that we would use for this is flipping a rock. Um, but he's he's taking care of business as this bear is like oh, lumbering no. through. And I think probably one of the the funnier moments was that moment of recognition and panic of like, where is Seth? Oh, he's out there. And like this bear was probably pretty close to him. Uh, it wasn't like coming to him. It wasn't like hunting him down or anything. Right. But uh, our, our group had a little bit of a fun with that. Like, you know, Seth is is fighting off bears while he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> and um, oh. but that, that, so uh, it was it was a really good trip that way. Just uh, a lot of fun, a lot of time. Like, you know, you, you don't have any any modern life like you are out on a mountain, no cell reception. Like you're, you're just, it takes you 10 times longer to do anything. And, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was difficult enough that we didn't just like fall in love with it. Like, I don't want to romanticize it in a sense. Like it, it wasn't all rainbows and Christmas, but it wasn't so bad that I would not do it again. Um, did and anybody so, have a firearm? A couple of us. Don't ask. Oh, yes. <laughs> While you're in the middle of the woods. <laughs> yeah, there, there was. So, and then I'll get to the, so <laughs> probably the epitome of that, that trip was, I think everything came to a T on the last night where I have a, a unique little teepee where it's lightweight and it has a foldable stove that you can, uh, construct has a stove pipe in the top so if it's like really cold you can start a fire in the teepee yeah, seriously those are awesome oh, yeah. like i've watched yeah. like camping videos with those so that's if you, amazing if you go to google and search seek s-e-e-k seek outside uh that that's the teepee i have and it's awesome because it's it's very lightweight and durable and so that last night it was pretty cold and so we had our stove, we, we lit that stove up, but the, uh, the stove pipe, the little flue got clogged. And so we woke up in the middle of the night and we were like smoking ourselves out. Like it was our TV oh, no. was full of smoke. And so that's where the night began. It was like one o'clock in the morning and it was me trying not to burn my hands, throwing the stove out of the teepee. <laughs> and wow. And so that's like one o'clock. And it is cold. And so Sawyer, I look at him and I'm like, we're just going to freeze for the next like four hours until the sun comes up. Okay. So then it's like two in the morning and I wake up again. And I can hear something walking around our teepee. And I don't know what it is. Obviously, you can't see anything. It's like pitch black. But I can hear these light footsteps, like literally. Like right outside, I hear it walking around and I can hear it breathing, but it's a very different, it's, it's not what I would consider to be like that bear from the first night, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so cold 
I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything unless it comes in this teepee or I hear a kid scream. And so I have a, I had the revolver I have, I'm holding it and I'm just laying there and listening. And I hear some, I hear it walk through, I hear it kind of circle around, walk through, uh, and kind of just go off to the, to the side. And then I eventually, you know, I just fall asleep and the next morning we're not really thinking much of it. As we're tearing down the teepee, uh, another guy we were with notices this track outside of our teepee. Like, and I mean, right outside. So like Sawyer and I were sleeping on opposite sides and this would be where his head is at in the corner of that teepee. This track is less than a foot away from where his head was. What? And it is, I don't know this. I haven't verified it. I haven't sent it to any like professional, but it looks like an almost perfect mountain lion track. Oh my. It's got like the four toes and a big pad in the middle. And so you can actually, you can just imagine like, because a mountain lion is pretty light on their feet. But I can imagine this mountain lion in the middle of the night coming down and he's like leaning up and he's like smelling the, the corner of that teepee. And he's like, he knows something's in there and they don't know what teepees are, but he's like, where is this thing at that I'm smelling? And he's like right up to the edge. And it's, it's just like that next morning we have this revelation that like this critter was like, you know, inches from you and you didn't Man. even know, didn't even know it Man. was there. And just give and, Sawyer a kiss. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like, had it decided to take some action, uh, we, we had weaponry, but that, that's definitely the mountain lion's home field advantage for sure. But so we, we got a, a nice full dose of wildlife and hiking <laughs> and mountain and uh we were incredibly stinky when we left and uh yeah but it, it was a great trip and uh i might i might share in a devotional in a future episode kind of my big takeaways uh from that but that was a great trip so yeah sorry to take a long time talking about it but that that's kind of the biggest update of my summer other than just the normal ins and outs of preparing for camp ministry and things like that that's really cool. The Glad mountain line, on that. the mountain line being right there and you not knowing it kind of makes me think of who knows what the Lord orchestrates in our lives. We just have no idea. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. you've heard of people who have like dangerous experiences like that. And you just wonder like, man, one day are we going to find out some fun things when we are with the Lord, <laughs> the way he's preserved us and taking care of us at times. Right. That's cool. Well, we are in the Stearns household. Uh, Robin has had her surgery. She's had her second week update checkup. And basically, she's in a like try to get strong phase before we go back for some more scans in about two weeks. When we go back, it'll that'll determine what's in the future for us. So listeners, feel free to pray for the Stearns household. Mm. Um, for sure, radiation. They're going to do radiation on her leg where the tumor was because they want to try to make sure they get absolutely every cell. This is a, a very aggressive cancer we found out. And so if there's anything left, it's going to regrow. But then our doctors are doing some tests to see if there's any other treatments that would work. The chemo 
like only killed 22% of the tumor last time. And it was the best concoction for this kind of tumor. So, yeah. So we're just kind of in a waiting phase. It's, it's been, it's been kind of nice in one way because Robin's really far away from like eight to 10 weeks away from her chemo. So her stomach is not nearly as upset. She can eat a little bit. She still can't eat a lot of foods, but she can eat much more foods and, her hair is starting to grow back, which if we, there will probably be more chemo in the future. So that'll fall out. But, um, the kids, however, Evan did the basketball camp that was on faith's campus a week or two ago. Oh man, the hoop stars. He, he just thought it was great. And Charlie, you said when you left that camping trip, you guys were really stinky. Uh, I'm telling you these, 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 these fourth and fifth grade boys, one day, Coach uh, Fincham, apparently, this is through my son. He's like, Coach was there, and he looked down at us, and I don't know what precipitated this, but Fincham just said, man, you guys smell really good today. And uh, I can just hear the sarcasm in Brian Fincham's voice. Yeah. So, but yeah. Hey, um, I want to give a shout-out to Camp Utibica today. Mm-hmm. We have two people from Tim and I's church. Uh, who are out there. So Stephen and Christina, I hope you're having a good summer. We're uh, glad you're out there. Glad you're serving the Lord. It's been really encouraging. Tim and I are, we do the Wednesday night kids ministry during the school year. And so I never get to go to prayer meeting, neither does Tim. And so this summer, because I'm not doing travel because of our life, I've been in prayer meeting more consistently. And um, it's been cool to hear about, there's a line in the prayer list for all the people in ministry and we really have a lot of college students like all over the country this year working in camps and various ministries. So uh, one of them's going to Romania uh, for like a six week internship kind of a thing or a six week missions trip. It's It's been cool. So shout out to Camp Utibica. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Saturnalia. You guys remember that talk? Mm, yes. It was a good time, wasn't it? So we had a listener message it us it wasn't too good of a time though it was what <laughs> oh yeah no, an appropriate amount of yeah, goodness no one would have called our podcast a, a, a modern day saturnalia right right so a thinklings festival <laughs> that would be a lot of books and a lot of coffee um so for you know a, a longtime listener daniel of the forest we'll just say daniel of the forest um he wrote in and said he at the very end of my talk on Saturnalia, I said I was writing that for the chapter. And I, I gave the analogy of July 4th. I said, you know, what if it became like this holiday Christians co-opted into being like the freedom in Christ holiday. And in the future, it was only that. And then someone said, hey, that's just a pagan holiday. I said, maybe that's similar. I said, maybe there's a better parallel. So this is what he says. He says, I have a thought on Saturnalia, July 4th analogy after listening to your episode. I don't think it's strong enough to include as an option because it's an identical scenario except for the most significant parts to a christian concerned about christmas july 4th isn't a pagan holiday and i do think i would agree right there i'll just stop reading the quote it's currently not pagan it's just a national holiday it doesn't celebrate any paganism so i agree that's the weak part of that illustration that analogy he says and christians aren't borrowing it questionably Uh, So there's nothing questionable that we're using, like in my magical analogy. He says the the national conflicts between Great Britain and its colonies 250 years ago are almost meaningless now from the spiritual vantage point. 
while paganism remains permanently opposed to God. So I do agree. I think that's a perceptive uh, comment, Daniel, of the forest. Um, I will say this, though, in, in the chapter that I wrote and submitted, I actually used a different illustration and I didn't want to I didn't want to use it on the podcast because I was still developing it. But I'll I'll just uh, say that I used Pride Month in the book. And so I think that analogy definitely might be a little better. So but we'll see. We'll see when the editor reads it, if she thinks that, too. And if not, then I might be calling you for a new illustration. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, Tim, what are you doing these days? Uh, Right now, I'm in New York visiting my family. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I was at Raccoon River Bible Camp, had a great time with the fourth through sixth graders. Maybe it was third through sixth graders. Anyway, the the younger kids. The pictures on Facebook looked awesome. Yeah, we had a really good time. Uh, I did a a series through the life of Abraham and talked about belief. Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, and then jumped to chapter 22 at the end. But uh, we had a really good time. And um, I just love going and ministering with younger kids. They're very formable at that time in their lives. Um, And so, uh, yeah, Raccoon River is a really different camp. They really emphasize scripture memory, which I really love. Um, Ooh, kids were memorizing yeah. a lot of verses. That's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, it was a good time. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what's been going on in my life. I've been working on an article, which I have to have done by the beginning of August, uh, but I haven't touched that in about two or three weeks. So when I get back to Ankeny, that's going to be a major focus for the rest of my summer. So um, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. Books and business. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know who was saying it, Charlie. (laughs) I didn't mess it up this time. (laughs) That's true. Tim got it right, everybody. Tim figured it out and me and Charlie messed it up. We don't have a plan. There's not a plan. You can't can't mess something up if there's not a plan. I thought we had the plan. I thought we did have a plan. We did have a a plan. (laughs) You guys are horrendous. Okay, who's got the book? So I've been reading a book, and this is going to be a shout out to... Honorary Thinkling, Josh Boyd. He messaged me earlier in the summer and said, hey, have you read Francis Schaeffer's A Christian Manifesto? And I said, no, it's on my reading list. I'd like to one day. I'm a, I'm a Schaeffer fan. He's an apologetic guy and he's a philosopher and I, all that stuff's interesting to me. And so Josh said, well, I'm reading it right now for a project and I'm finding it very interesting. I just, anyways, and so I wrote back and said, hey, I'll read it. And why don't you keep me posted on your progress? And then he just burned me because two years ago we were going to read a book together in the summer and I set up a schedule online and then I literally didn't read any of the book and he has never let me forget us. Oh, I know. He's never let me forget it. He just it digs at me every time with it. What a good friend. This, this, it, is, <laughs> it is. It is. It really is a good friend. Like when you say you're going to read a book and you literally don't read any of it until one chapter at the end of the summer, it's, it's worth getting ripped up over. So. This time I thought I'm going to read it. And what I have found is that I, I am able to carve time out to read, which is good. And I've been working on some projects. So I'm, I'm pleased normally in the summer, especially like right now with what's going on. I didn't know if I could be able to get anything done, but I've been able to do a little bit and spend a lot of time with my kids and my family. But I have worked through almost the entire book. And so I think I'm ready to talk about it a little. There are 10 chapters and I've read seven. Um, but I think listeners, this would be interesting. So 
I wished I hadn't told you the title and I wished I hadn't told these guys the title and I had just talked about the topics because you wouldn't know that this book was written back in like the 60s or 70s. It's very, I think the term is prescient, like forward sight. It can see what's going on. So listener, if you're interested in this, I'm going to give you an overview of it. Chapter one and chapter two really talk about the themes of how do you know what you know, like what's true, and then what, where do you base your, your, your um, where, where do you found the idea of freedom and then your, your belief? And he's going to come off a lot like a presuppositionalist or a reformed, he's reformed. Um, so there's going to be a lot of starting with like the Bible and what does the Bible say? It's, it's not that he discounts anything out in the world that you can observe. He's, it's not that way. He, he really is. Kokel once on our podcast, and maybe it was we, we were talking with him afterwards. I, I thought Schaefer was a presuppositionalist. And he said, I think he's an evidentialist who's sensitive to presuppositions. And I think both cases could be made. But in, in the book, he really does um, start off saying, this is God's world. This is God's world. You have to either recognize that and submit to it or rebel. And so he, I, I like that. So he talks about that. And the whole reason he's talking about this topic is because he's responding to some mani other manifestos. Now, if I say Christian manifesto to you guys, are there any other manifestos that you can think of? So the first manifesto that I think of, probably the more popular manifesto, the communist manifesto. Mm -hmm. And that's the first one Schaefer's responding to. What's your the other, other one? one that... Which I think is more of an American anomaly is the Unabomber manifesto. So that was, okay. I wondered, that's the only one I knew about growing up because the Unabomber had that manifesto mm -hmm. and I never heard of the communist manifesto. And yet I was public schooled. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So Schaefer's actually responding to three manifestos. One that you mentioned, he's not responding to Unabomber because that's not yet historically, yeah. and nor is Hadn't it happened. Hadn't happened yet. Yeah. The other two, Tim, do you have any manifestos? Uh -uh. So there's the Humanist Manifesto 1 and Humanist Manifesto 2. And those are, they're not the, they sort of go the same direction. I, I don't know. I haven't read them, but they're kind of in the same vein, I would say. At the same so, vein as the Communist Manifesto? Yeah. So the Communist Manifesto is written by you know, Marx and the mm. social com communists at the time. And this is like, you know, 1920s, uh, 10s, 30s, somewhere around there. It's, it's pretty early. The humanist manifestos are written much later and they are written by people who are atheists and then want to have like a humanist philosophy for life where it's like you kind of focus on humans maybe is the way you can think about it i've not read either of them it's on my list i want to read the full communist manifesto and read all the humanist manifestos so when this book opens up starting on those topics i'm immediately like oh man this is interesting and so he he's going through what are your foundations for truth and then like what's what's freedom and then he turns to where where all that's falling apart in our culture and it's he's writing this in the 70s but honestly his critiques are really good 
and they mm. would fit today. You, you would read this and think, yeah, that's yeah, that's good. That's right. Um, and then he turns and it gets really interesting. So he, I didn't realize, I think he was in the moral majority back in the, oh, he wrote this in 81. Sorry, he wrote this in 81. I, I think I remember that now. I think he was a part of the moral majority of the 80s where he, where like Jerry Falwell and all of them were trying to like get enough of the conservatives together that we can kind of run the country. And so this is very interesting. So he's, he's reformed and I don't know what his eschatology is, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had kind of a post mill or an ah mill kind of a, mm-hmm. a, a flavor. I don't think he's, he didn't seem pre-mill to me. He didn't seem like even not, not, not dispensational at all. I'm just saying historic pre-mill. But where he's going is, what do you do? In his chapter five on revival, revolution, and reform, he goes through the, those three topics and mentions this. He says, in the Protestant Reformation, there are countries that have long-lasting change, like from the Reformation going forward. And then there are countries who have the Reformation come to it, And then they don't have long lasting change. And he says the difference is that the countries that had long lasting change took Reformation principles and pushed them into the body politic of the country. And even to the point where there were like fighting and rebellion going on over it. Hmm. And when like the Reformation got sort of ensconced in the culture then it actually had a long lasting change. But in the countries where the Reformation came and then it sort of like they didn't do any of that politics stuff, the the other side, the Catholics or whatever, would just squash them. And then long term, there was no bear. There was no like long term fruit. Now, do you see where he's going with this? Are you taking the two mm-hmm. and the two and adding it in four? He's he's, I think, making a case and I have not read the last two chapters. I think he's making a case for for some civil disobedience and maybe rebellion. It, the the there's chapter six is an open window. That's what it's called. And what he's saying is, in different cultures, there are times where the culture will be more open to Christianity and Christian influence. And I would just say, like today, <clears throat> in China, if I mention that I'm a Christian and I start trying to do stuff, I get put in jail. But in America, I can mention I'm a Christian. I'll just get canceled. Now. 50 or 100 years ago, I could mention I'm a Christian and no big deal. That's fine. And what he's saying is our window is closing in this country where we're not, we're going to lose our ability to have influence. And so we got to make the most of it. Now he's writing this in 1981. Yeah. That's 42 years ago. I'm 43. That's like my whole lifetime. Now look at our country today. That's the thing about this book. He's like a prophet. We are losing all the possible influence we could have. Now, here's where it's getting interesting, and I don't know where he's going. I'm reading the chapter, chapter seven, called The Limits of Civil Disobedience. Civil Obedience. And he's, what? The Limits of Civil Obedience? Obedience, or? sorry. Yeah, the lim- Limits of Civil Obedience. So as a person in the city, the civis, the city, what should you obey? And he's laying out a shockingly interesting case a lot like from the Bible on his view of how Christians should obey politics. So he, he, and this makes sense. I think he's just applying it in a way I hadn't thought of. 
So he he starts off in Romans 13, of course, and uh, the one other government pa- passage, maybe it's in Peter. Yeah, it's it's First Peter three, 2 and 3. And he says, look, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to submit to the government because God ordained government to punish evil and reward good. He says, but what if the government does something wicked? Well, we would all say you don't obey it. But I think his whole chapter is just fleshing out what that looks like and where the disobedience is coming from. Now, remember, he has the heavy reformed emphasis. So he's taking a strong view of God's lordship, which I think is a good thing. But he's saying if the government is not submitting to the lordship of Christ, it's actually a false. I don't know, how, I don't know what term he uses. Like a bad, it's a wrong government. And it's right for us to like flip it and put in a good government. Now, you see where this is going to fit very well with like the Doug Wilson Christian mm-hmm. nationalism theonomy. Yeah. But also like biblically, it was starting to kind of make sense. I think Schaefer is putting all his eggs in the basket of, of culture. And wanting mm-hmm. to change the culture. I'm not sure I'm ready to do that yet, but it was a really interesting case. Now, I haven't read chapter eight. That's titled The Use of Civil Disobedience. Chapter nine is titled The Use of Force. And chapter 10 is By Teaching, By Life, By Action. I haven't read those. And I'm curious where he's going to go. But um, it's not what I expected, but I haven't read any of the other three manifestos. Oh, actually, I haven't read the Unabomber manifesto either. So I haven't ever read a manifesto. I thought this would be more like um, the Nashville Declaration or the Manhattan Declaration. I thought it was going to be something like that with affirmations Mm. and denials. But it's more of like a really long monograph on one topic where he's like trying to build an argument. So it's like a normal book. But I would say it was really interesting. And I'm. I'm not ready to rank it, but I think it would be interesting to read. If this is, if you're into politics, you'd probably find this book interesting. I don't know that I want to say, Hey, this is how to do it yet. Um, but I'm totally intrigued. I would just say that totally intrigued. So shout out to Josh Boyd for a good recommendation. He also then said, have you listened? Have you read, uh, how shall we then live? And I have, I really liked that. I really liked that a lot. So. I said, I, I think, did I say his name wrong, Charlie? Did I, it's not Josh Boyd, right? No, no, no. It's the other name. What was the other name? Dr. Puddle, Puddleglum. <laughs> I thought you were going to say which, the podcast. <laughs> which, in light of mentioning it, I have a Puddleglum <laughs> quote. Ooh, ooh, give us a Puddleglum quote. Life isn't all fricasseed frogs and eel pie. <laughs> and if you're it's wondering true. what, if you're wondering what a fricassee is, it's like a stew. And uh, so life isn't all stewed frogs and eel pie. This is that that should be Charlie. That should be when like you're with some teens and life's going bad and you want to be like, Hey, life's not a party. (laughs) You should be like, Hey, life's not fricasseed frogs and eel pie. And I just think the looks you would get from those. So I I love it too. Here's puddle glum whose name, his name. I, I don't know if there's a, a, a specific title for characters whose name reveals their character. It's like Puddle Glum. And he's over here like, well, you know, you can't have eel pie every day, guys. Like, it's just, it's so funny. <laughs> um, anyway, we are going to look into the word for a moment here, but I have an agenda with it. So 
if anyone's listening to this who was at junior high camp at IRBC in July, we had this discussion in chapel on Friday. And so as we're recording this, next Friday up at IRBC, we are going to have a springboard. So that's students going into their freshman year of high school. We're having a springboard conversation about worldviews. And so I'm having a little discussion on worldviews. And we did joke, uh, you know, this is usually the assignment that Andy gets. And <laughs> so this this quite quite truthfully this is a little bit out of my expertise you know so if someone wanted me to talk about discipleship or talk about you know Owen Barfield's writings you know and the the inklings and you know obscure quotes of Gandalf like I, that's my expertise i'm not like as versed in the worldview discussion definition in history and so it's it was actually probably good for me to review some of those things and so a friend of the podcast, Greg Kokel, has a wonderful book, The Story of Reality, which I do think he, in a in a narratival, very discussion conversation form, has a has a nice book about thinking through what worldviews are. And then we've talked about James Sire before on the podcast. And so I was just reviewing some of those resources. And so I have a little bit of a document put together here. And that's going to be like a pre- uh, kind of a prime the pump, if you will. And then we'll, we'll look at a couple of verses. And so as I read through this, Andy and Tim, uh, I would love any feedback because I haven't had the discussion yet. So if you think there's things that I should emphasize or de-emphasize or manipulate, uh, let me know. So here's what I defined as a worldview and, uh, on a, you know, unashamedly, I got these things from Greg Kokel. A worldview is just what the word says. It's a, quote, view of the world. We give the name worldview to a specific perspective on life and reality. A great way of thinking about worldviews is to compare them to the pictures on the top of puzzle boxes. A big picture on the box helps you make sense of the individual pieces as you try to fit the puzzle together. Some worldviews have similar pieces to each other, but many differ in significant ways. The most significant pieces of any worldview answer these following questions. Where did we come from and or who or what created us? So there's a creation question. Uh, number two, what are we? So specifically, what is humanity uh, trying to get there to like, what is our reality? Like, are we? animals? Are we more than animals? And it kind of bridges into like a materialism or a matterism discussion is what Coco does. Uh, number three, what is wrong with the world or the universe, if anything? So is this just perfect creation or is there something wrong with our world? And then number four, will the world or the universe ever be fixed? And if so, by whom? And so that's that's really the four questions that our discussion, that, that's the devotion that the campers are going to go through. And we have some Bible passages to help them think through those four questions. So they'll do the devotional where they're thinking about worldview. 
And then we're going to have like a 30 to 40 minute discussion where we're going to walk through those points. And I did think it was very important to make sure every point came from the word of God. Because I do think we can kind of devolve in a, in a discussion that is very mm-hmm. philosophical. And I could quote guys, but I think it was better to quote, just have like verses for them. And so every point I make, so the creator created, obviously Genesis one, and the creator is a personal being. And the, I really like the way Kokel discusses this, where if he makes a personal being, so he creates us in his image. So we're like him. That means that he is a personal being because he created a personal being. And so Genesis one twenty seven, being made in the image of man and that creator knows things and he communicates what he knows. And that is revelation. And so Psalm 19, he's revealed things to us. And then as a created being, we have to realize that we are, that we belong to the creator. And so I love first Corinthians six, you are not your own. You aren't, we are not our own. We don't have our own life. And, uh, you know, created beings uh, have designed limitations. God made us this way. And uh, I love whenever I speak to just appeal to, well, look what Jesus did. You know, Jesus slept and Jesus ate. Like humans have those physical limitations to them. And that is a part of being created by him. So just as if I was to ignore eating, I would have physical problems. Well, if I'm also a spiritual being and I ignore spiritual needs, I will have problems. And that's kind of what gets into that, what was meant to be more practical discussion there, where he he tells us to number our days. Uh, he, we, we need to take life seriously and soberly and understand what life is as a created being. And, and that, you know, the beginning of living wisely in this reality is to fear the Lord. And so that that opens up the door for a really nice discussion where we eventually land in what is practical living for the Christian. We do not want to continue to live in arrogance or ignorance to the word of God, but we want to understand that we have a daily battle to engage in, and that is the war of the flesh and the spirit, and that that has, that has real consequences to it. Uh, it it's, it's a part of ministering to other people sharing what is true to other people, and then experiencing the the life, the good life that God intends for us uh, comes down to living in those real physical limitations and, and learning to live with those real spiritual uh, admonishments. And so uh, really what I'm going to have them write down at the end of the discussion and this is a kind of a, a clashing of a couple of ideas, but matter doesn't matter. I think that is a really good summary for what I want them to take away is that there are worldviews that think that we're just physical, that it's just matter. It's just things. And those worldviews also really struggle to figure out what joy is, because if it is only physical then joy must come from, or happiness must come from physical. And uh, so we'll we'll probably talk about this in uh, another podcast, but one of the things I really love about Tim's book, Song of Songs for Singles, which uh, I, I, I didn't mention this earlier but when we were off air, but whenever I've talked about this book with people, I'm like, yeah, guess what? 
I'm the single. So like you have a title song of song for singles. I'm like, yeah, that's me anyway. But, um, <laughs> so Tim, you, you say this in, in the opening chapters of your book, it might be the very first chapter. Sex just doesn't matter that much. You say that a lot. You emphasize that. And yeah. you also emphasize that our culture doesn't believe that they want to make mm -hmm. it a much bigger deal than it is. And so you think about like, what does matter? Like what brings joy and happiness? And this is a, a fundamental worldview question. Does physical life provide the source of real joy? Mm. And it does not. Mm. And so that, that's really the, I think the, the takeaway that I want to present to these kids is matter doesn't really matter that much. Mm. Yeah, we live here. We have to understand it. But the real joy of life is understanding and walking wisely in, in light of who God is. That's a spiritual reality and a, a practical spiritual life. What do you guys think about those four questions? Did I capture what worldviews are? Am I missing something? I think those are <clears throat> really good questions. And in fact, I'm trying to remember who it is. Um, I think it's Sire, but I think there's more. Um, Ken Samples has, I think it's Ken Samples. There's a couple of people who have, oh, Ron Nash. Ron Nash has a bunch of these. But the questions you ask a worldview help to show if the worldview can actually account for reality because every worldview is saying it's an accounting of reality. So I, I like those questions. I would say this, listener, you're probably hearing those and thinking, who, who says I'm going to build a worldview and make sure I can answer all these questions? I don't, I don't think that's how it works. But everyone has to answer those questions. Like no one can't not answer those. Well, so once you get to that point, you're, it's really like, man, I got to answer these questions, no matter who you are. Well, would you say that every human being presupposes an answer to those questions, whether they realize <laughs> it or not? I think that, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they have an answer, whether they know they have an answer or not. It, the other thing it, you could, um, so remember our friend, not friend, remember the thinker Blaise Pascal. Mm -hmm. he, he did the, he's famous for the wager. We should talk about the wager sometime. I think I can helpfully explain the wager to our listeners because it gets a bad rap. But here's one thing that he thought he was into statistics and he, he um, kind of looked at things from percentages and in the question of does God exist or not, he realized very perceptively that that's a yes or no answer. There's no spectrum. It's not like a pot. And so I think all the questions you just answered, they're not all exactly yes, no answers. But, but Pascal's really interesting perception was that even if you say you don't know the answer, you have to answer that to live in a certain way. So how you live at least answers it. And Charlie, I think all your, all the questions you have right there, even if you say, I don't know what the answer is, you have to live an answer to those questions. Like, who created us? Well, I don't know. Well, you're, you're either going to live like a God created you, or you're going to live like you're not created by a God and you can do yep. what you want. Um, Ooh, I don't know. I, I, I like that. That's good. And so, the puzzle and box illustration. And that's, ooh. that's straight from Greg Kokel. Yep. And so the way, the way that he tells the, the story of reality is he says, I think he has five main points to it. God, man, 
fall. I don't know if he calls it fall, but maybe curse. Um, and then I can't remember if he, what he says for Jesus, if it's like savior, but then his last one is like resurrection and it's like final resurrection, like things are fixed resurrection. And so and in, in that book, he just walks through that story of it, but he, he weaves really well in other elements of other worldviews. Uh, and so really what the heart of the discussion is going to try to get to is I really focus on reality, the term reality, what is real. Mm, and so that's good. that first little bit I read is the devotional that they'll go through. And I ask them to go to Acts 17 with Paul on the Areopagus and read through that passage and answer those questions. So based on Acts 17, where did we come from? And it's very clear, God created us. And is there a problem with the world? Very clear. There is sin. And what is the answer to that? And, and so they'll work through those. And then there's a couple other passages I uh, threw in there uh, that talk about like human wisdom versus spiritual wisdom and things like that. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 2, you know, the natural man discussion, the, the human wisdom versus the wisdom of the spirit. Uh, Romans 12 very specifically says, do not be conformed to the world but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. So there's a, a, an easy dichotomy there when we consider, you know, here's one way of living in the world and another way. And then Ephesians 2, where it just says, you know, we were dead like the rest of the world. And so like recognizing these are like very all-encompassing statements of there's a worldly wisdom that we should not conform to because it is spiritually dead. And and then that opens the door, I think, for the the positive side of worldview, which is to see reality as God made it, where we are not just human physical beings, we, we're spiritual beings. And so here, here, here are the bullet points of the discussion we're going to have, and I'll see what you guys think of them. So again, I the the repetition of the term is is realities. So trying to make worldviews practical, number one. The reality of the creator. Number two, the realities of created beings and created entities. So if there's a creator, there has to be created things. And so that's the, the first two natural steps of worldview is there is a creator, which means we're the created. And then number three, the practical realities of physical and spiritual life. So we are physical, we are spiritual, and we have limitations on each of those parts of our being. And then number four, the reality of life after death. And so talking about future restoration and judgment, and then uh, a future destination. And that includes uh, a positive and a negative. So there is judgment. Some will be resurrected to eternal punishment, some to reward and eternal life. Uh, so those are kind of the four points. And then we kind of just walk through a, a whole dearth of passages that discuss those things. And so uh, what do you guys think about that? And and Tim, just so you know, just so you know, Tim, you're going to love this. So I do have Ecclesiastes mentioned. So when we talk about the practical reality of physical life, guess what? What is real? Life under the sun is difficult. That is the reality that we live in, and you cannot avoid it. Unless you think that your wisdom or your wealth will help you avoid it, you need to go read Ecclesiastes. <laughs> um, so 
got a nice little plug in there. So yeah, what do you guys think about those four points or would you emphasize one thing over another thing? Is it the practical realities of spiritual life or physical life? Yes. It's both. Well, I'm, I'm focusing on the phrase like life under the sun. So like to live on earth, like to be a created being here, it's, it's a physical reality that life on the cursed world is, is difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, But obviously that has a lot of spiritual ramifications to its understanding. And so like that's the, the true roots of, of contentment is recognizing that this is just how life is. And so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, but that's the problem. It's, it's a very topical discussion where we're just kind of hitting some high points. And uh, so we're not really ever going to get to focus on any detail. So, which is a shame. So is it, I don't know if you need the word practical at the beginning, just make it the reality of Mm. living in the life in this world, uh, the reality of physical life It would create greater symmetry. My two Sure. So the nice thing is, uh, so their 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 notes are going to have that, but I'll I'll just strike it from my own. I'll tell them I'll I'll be like, hey, take your pen and cross <laughs> off the word practical because that's the best. When you're speaking at what... camp and you've sent your notes the week before <laughs> because you don't want the you want to make sure the office manager has them in time because you don't want to upset the office manager because that oh. would be bad. So I'll I'll tell you this. So they they have a different speaker for Springboard each morning. And Greg Gosnell, a friend of the podcast, Thinklings listener, Greg, is the one organizing the junior high camp stuff. And so he's the one that invited certain people. And there were two people who did not turn in the notes by the prescribed deadline. Oh, no. Guess which two people did not turn in the notes by the prescribed deadline? I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to guess. There's, I'm not going to. So we got four points. The reality I'll say, of the I'll creator. say they or we share something in common. <laughs> the reality of created beings. You just skip it past it. No, I want you to guess. You got to guess. <laughs> I'm not going to guess. Just, one of them is no really idea. easy. Well, I think you are one of them. I am one of them. But I have and no idea who the other one is. There's another person uh, who, like me, might come from a location that shares in a proclivity to be late on things. Dude, I'm not picking up your hints unless no. the name rhymes with yogurt or something. I, I literally so, don't know. <laughs> no, no. So the, the other person was Brandon Fritz. We both got texted like, oh, hey, no just a way. reminder that you guys need to turn your stuff in. You and guys. So oh, it's just that's great. Yeah, that's two, very former, two former people from Williamsburg <laughs> still living in very Williamsburg ways. Um, oh, that's a good... That warmed my heart. Okay. I was like, where is he going with this? Oh, okay. Yeah. Ian Fritz. That, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys make any comments and then uh, I will just jump into one of those passages and, uh, and, and talk sure. about them for a moment. I, <clears throat> I love, I, I, I really enjoy thinking about worldview because I, I really do think that the, the idea of it is something that helps Christians Everyone lives out that like you have those four questions, Charlie. There's a lot of lists out there of questions that a worldview answers. And listener, you may not think, what do you mean? I've never sat here and thought about these questions. But the point is that those questions have to be answered in some way for you to live. Um, 
And so I think that's always profitable, even though it's not, you're not always in the Bible when you're thinking about those things. Do you know what I'm saying? But your Bible answers those questions, whether you realize it or not. And if you don't do the, it's not even that hard of work to think about these answers as a Christian, because you've got the Bible right in front of you. Um, But you can easily get misled by the world into thinking in wrong ways. And so I'm, I'm thankful that you're going to be able to speak, even if the junior hires don't get it on the first pass, hopefully you're going to plant good seeds in their mind to think about that. And I'll just say, um, I really, you, you said reality so many times, James Sire's definition of a worldview says it's a fun, it's a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed as a story or in a set of presuppositions that we hold about the basic constitution of reality. And that provides the foundation on which we live and move and have our being. And even if you don't answer those questions, you're living and you're moving and you're having being all the time. Uh, so I like that. I'm, I'm excited that you get to talk about that. And man, way to go, Pastor Goose, on uh, tapping a good guy to speak on that topic. So, But yeah, why don't you take us into one of those passages? Share with us one final thought from God's Word. I'm just going to start reading in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, and then we'll, we'll read down through kind of like the 12-ish range. <clears throat> so, 1 Corinthians 2, and when and I, Paul speaking, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There's a there's that juxtaposition there. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So many worldview things here. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And so there's just drippings in that passage of worldview elements, like who created and who has truth. And there is a wisdom, and I think Paul would maybe put some air quotes to it, some wisdom in this world. But he clearly indicates, guys, when I came to you, I didn't speak to you in the way that the world would want me to speak. I wasn't a rhetorician. I was, I was weak. And 
the message that I gave you is not the message of the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. I shared with you the hidden wisdom of God that is from the spirit of God. And, and the reason that Paul had it is because God gave us that spirit and he has led us into this truth. And that is what he teaches and how he teaches when he goes places. And he, he juxtapo- juxtaposes the human worldly wisdom of, of the rulers of this age with the wisdom that is from above, the wisdom that is from God and from the spirit. And it fits really well with uh, J- James chapter three and Colossians chapter three, seeking those things which are above and recognizing that there is a difference between an earthly human wisdom and what it produces in our lives versus the spiritual wisdom that only comes through submission to the Lord, submission to his word and his spirit. And that is where worldviews, I think, really do become practical. Is it's it's not, you know, we've we've, you know, discussed Kokel's book Tactics, where you know you you can strategize having a conversation with someone, knowing how to answer questions, knowing how to ask a good questions about people's worldviews. And I think it can become just like, how do I win the argument? And we want to guard ourselves from that. I think that would be human wisdom. And then there's also I think a fear, you know, that rational people have of like, I want to make sure I understand reality correctly. You know, I don't want to wake up one day and realize that my whole life was wrong. And so I do think there's a a good search for like, am I understanding what's really true? But as you go down that worldview road and you understand who the creator is, you understand who you are in light of that creator what becomes the practical responsibility each day is learning how to live that wisdom out. And that is quite simply described as submission to him. And, you know, we could call it walking in the spirit. We could call it obeying the word of God. Uh, we could call it fearing the Lord. You could, you could, there's all these phrases in the word of God, you know, seeking those things that are above. And But all of that is the practical fruit of having a correct worldview is learning to submit to him. And so I think that's that's our goal in that, that discussion next week. And uh, so that's my encouragement to, I mean, it, that's what I hopefully try to do each day. That's what we try to do each day, but encourage one another and let us be encouraged by the word of God to, if that is reality, that we are created beings by this creator let us today commit again to walking with him in newness of life. So thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Thinklings podcast, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast. The Thinklings want to remind our listeners that the Thinklings Podcast is our personal production. Our conversations, book discussions, and viewpoints 
may not represent the views of Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary. Any questions or feedback should be directed to us at the Thinklings Podcast.